0: Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Taala and we seek blessings on the Prophet. May peace be upon him. So, once again, Eid Mubarak to everybody. And continuing along our exploration of of this uh, the the first couple of passages of Surah number two, we are literally uh, about halfway done with the course. Uh, our goal, <coughs> excuse me. Actually, we're more than halfway done with the course because our goal is to get to get through Ayah 39, and today we'll be getting into Ayah uh, 23. And so, literally, we have about 16 or 17 Ayahs left, having completed about 30 Ayahs. So, so just to bring everyone back on, on the same page, everyone's coming back from from their long weekend of edification. So we've now had two commands so far. Command one, which is Aya 21, be the abd of your rabb. And then command number two, which was at the end of Ayah 22, we did that long exercise last time, you'll remember, you know, what do you think of when you think of earth, sky, water, fruit, so forth and so on. Do not knowingly make rivals to Allah. Okay. Now as commands, I think it would make sense that these would be the first two commands, right? Both of these relate to our relationship with Allah. The first one is essentially saying to turn to Allah, surrender to Allah and see it as beneficial. And the second one is to turn away from everything else. I mean this is monotheism summed up right here. in uh, in two commands. And and so one of the points that I'm making, why do we take the approach of the Quran this way, starting from page one, going through carefully and slowly, is to also discover that there is an inherent logic in the structure of the text. That when we read the text very quickly, it seems to be a hodgepodge. First it's talking about this, then it's talking about that, then it's talking about this, seems to be all over the place. But then when you go through it slowly, it does reveal uh, a very, very tight structure in in what what is the essential goal? The goal is to make us grow in our relationship with the love. The goal is to make us grow in this worldly life. That is what we call guidance. So now we're going to have a conditional command because where I left off was with the question, what if I, <coughs> uh, you know, here are the commands, I'm, I'm supposed to fulfill them, the commands have been assigned for all of humanity. But what if I'm not sure if this is the text? What if I'm not sure if this is the truth? Because that has not yet been addressed. And so that we are now touching on in this next uh, Io So, <laughs> So Ayah twenty three. So if you are in if you are in doubt about what we have sent down onto our servant, so our servant is who the Prophet peace be upon him. If you have doubts about what we have sent down to our servant, then produce a surah like this, and we'll talk about what all this means in just a moment and call your witnesses other than Allah, if you are speaking the truth. So what are we saying here? If you have doubt, if that is your issue about uh, Allah, about the Prophet peace be upon him, about the Quran, Then what do you need to do? You need to use your full intellectual capacity and either write something that can compete with the Quran or find something that can compete with the Quran. Now, this passage has been misread by a great many in our community as a challenge to the whole world. The whole world, come up with something to compete with the Quran. There are other passages like that. Okay. In Surah Hud, there's passages exactly like that. See if you can come up with even one verse. Okay, here it's saying if you have doubt, this is the prescription you have to follow to address your doubt. If doubt is your issue, okay. if you have another issue, like no, I just want to prove that my way of belief is better, you know, this is not this is not for you. Doubt is not your issue. You're just trying to uh, you're a supremacist. If you're in the search for truth. And you have some sort of doubt that's holding you back. Here's what you need to do. Good. Okay. Now, the next ayah says, "Okay, if you do not do it, you won't be able to do it. Okay. So the Quran is saying categorically, you're not going to be able to do it. But you still have to. So let's, let's try to uh, put this together. Let's talk first in terms of metaphors. Uh, let's add to our list of, of, of metaphors. Let's add doubt to, to our metaphors, but let's bring the whiteboard back. Okay. So we're going to call this a conditional command, whereas the other commands were unconditional. So, If you have doubt, then produce a surah, and so produce a surah that can compete with the, with the Quran. Uh, plus, bring witnesses who agree. So and so, think back to some of the metaphors that we've had so far. We talked about the metaphor of gratitude, the metaphor of anger, the metaphor of fear, and now we have a metaphor of doubt. So the metaphor of gratitude, we said gratitude is like water. Anger is like fire. Fear is like lightning. Of course, I should also add guidance itself. Here, let's clean this up a little bit. Sorry for those of you who are writing and then my, I changed my mind last minute. Okay, uh, we said guidance The metaphor of guidance is light. The metaphor of oppression or self-oppression is darkness. The metaphor of of doubt is you have a mansion. Imagine a beautiful mansion with a leaky pipe. Okay. So you're living in this beautiful mansion, wonderful comfort and such, but you know that in this one corner, there's a pipe that's leaking. And if you do something about it, you're gonna to have to put in some effort to have the pipe fixed, which means, You might have to call a plumber, which means you might have to pay exorbitant exorbitant amounts of money if the plumber's taking advantage of you. So you sort of don't want to face that. You're deciding the leak is small enough. But you also know if you let the leak run, it's gonna seep into the wood, it's gonna seep into the concrete, into the stone. And at some point, the damage is gonna be much worse, if not making the entire mansion fall apart. That is the nature of doubt. And how does this play out over the lifetime of a believer? So let's say you have someone who is raised in belief, but they have doubt about something and they're not addressing it. It will manifest by the time they get into their forties and fifties. If not higher, and if not in them, it'll manifest in their children. This is the nature of how doubt uh, operates. So we're also saying that doubt is a possibility. The surah began by saying, this is the book, this is the kitab, this is the prescription, no doubt. But the Quran is saying that, yeah, doubt is definitely a possibility. And here's how you have to address it. So the prescription for doubt, So one, it's produce a surah. So what is a surah? So the Quran comes with its own, its own terminology. Uh, this, uh, we may have talked about way back, way back at the beginning of, of the whole course, the two terms ayah and surah. So ayah it translates as sign. And part of the idea here is that the guidance of the Quran is to shift you from looking at things as signs of one thing to signs of something else. Uh, Those of you who have not done this in my academic classes, did we do the exercise with the leaf? Like Dominion, do you remember us doing that? Or uh, the bees or summer? No, I do not remember exercises with leaves. Okay, okay. So uh, here's what I want you to do. I'm going to give you this scenario just one or two sentence scenario. And then I'm going, to, I want you to come to the first thing that comes to mind and just share it. In fact, if you want, turn off your microphone, turn off your mute. So open up your microphones and, and just blurt out the first thing that comes to mind. So, Good. so I don't know. I don't know of a way to mass unmute everyone. <laughs> and so you've already done this. So, so it's probably best that you don't talk. Okay. So, you're walking down the street and you see a leaf falling from a tree. First thing that comes, to mind. Madigan, first thing that comes to mind?
1: Fall. Gravity.
0: Gravity. Fall. Okay. Speed, fall. people. Rochelle, uh, what do you? What did you think of?
2: Fall. Wind.
0: Fall. Wind. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Uh, Mohammed Kamran, what did you think of? First thing. Uh, you just think. yeah. You fall. 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 Hanya. Running.
1: Yeah.
0: Fall. Fall. And then Ramsha, I think you've done this exercise with me um so so yeah almost everyone came up with fall uh, and i think we just lost melika but um but what melika you came up with gravity uh, may i ask only if you want to share where do you live
1: Massachusetts.
0: Oh, but you still have four seasons. Okay, so that's, interesting. <laughs> that's especially interesting. Okay, so do that exercise with other people uh, in your, your family or extended group to see what they say. Now, so the point to think about, especially for all the rest of you who came up with fall, with autumn, uh, a point to think about is why? So why? You know, Dominion or the, the experience. Say it again. Past experience. Past experience that if a leaf is falling from a tree, it means fall. That or squirrel or raccoon. If you see a leaf falling from a tree, you think of a squirrel or a raccoon.
1: Yeah, I'm thinking more of my ceiling because there was a raccoon in my roof. But yeah, uh, (laughs) fall
0: based on experience. Okay. Uh, Dr. Summer, or you saying something?
2: Oh, yeah, I think because I pay more attention to the leaves in autumn just because there's more, like,
0: beauty and emotion, you know. Okay. Attached to so that. that could also be part of it. Uh, people of Rochelle, what do you think of fall?
2: Well, right now, it's just me, Sabrine. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I guess that's what came okay, up. Yeah.
0: yeah, and so the point we're making here is that we've been socially conditioned that uh, a leaf falling from a tree is a sign Of fall, and and so this is where this is coming from. So so the students that I've had who do not have four seasons, they don't even understand the question. When Malika says gravity, I think all right, she probably has all kinds of degrees and stuff. So that's you know how she's intellectually reading all these things, whatever the case may be. But the point is, this is uh, this is social conditioning. Surah, and so part of the idea of the Islamic outlook, the Quranic outlook, is to shift from seeing everything as a sign of what society is telling you, what the world is telling you, to see everything as a sign of Allah. Right. And then surah comes from the word Sur. So if you think of an old city, it would have a wall around it. So even if you go to Jerusalem today, there's old Jerusalem that has this wall around it. And so that's sur, and so a surah is sort of like a city of knowledge, a city of guidance, a discourse. So in terms of the language here, when the Qur'an is saying come up with a surah like this, it could mean a surah like surah al-Baqarah. The common understanding is the Qur'an itself. And so produce a surah like this means what? (sighs) So we're basically saying that if this is truly the word of God, you're not going to be able to come up with a surah like this. And like this, how? Think of all the different ways you can analyze this surah. Uh, one is its depiction of reality. How reality works. How to make sense of reality. How to negotiate reality. Its language It's style, it's rhetoric, all of these things. It's implementation. So uh, from the moment of the time of the prophet, peace be upon him, continuously through to today, it's this nonstop community empire but this non-stop community, and included in the implementation is the practice of it, included in the implementation is the memorization of it. So essentially, think of these as the bigger topics, right? So if we do it from the bottom up, okay, the practice of the Quran itself. And then how does it talk? And then what is the vision that it is giving of how reality operates? And so implicit in all this would also be the history of the text the question of the authenticity of the text so we're being told go through and use your full intellectual capacity it's empowering you to use your full brain power and say and it's saying on the one hand go look for something in history that can hold up to the quran and the next ayah is saying you're not going to be able to find something And then the other side, if you can't find something, then write something. And so at least for that, we'd have uh, point number one, point number two here. Use your full brain power to write something. So, So it's empowering you. Love you, use wrong. Use it's empowering you to use your full brain power. Now, it's still saying in the second ayah, the next ayah, you're not going to be able to do it. So then, what's the point? It's saying you still have to develop the satisfaction of the heart to be able to see. So the approach we often take is, okay, no, it has to prove its truth to me. The Quran doesn't work that way. It's saying, look at every single type of philosophy that you can have. Every single type of religiosity you can have. And it's saying, take them head to head. If this is truly from God, you can find something that is equal or better. And to make it objective, you have to bring witnesses. Other people who agree, yeah. In terms of, of okay, my issue is being doubt. I'm gonna resolve my doubt. I feel like I found something and I have brought witnesses who agree. Yeah. Now this is different than saying, all right, I follow XYZ religion and just to show that the Quran is not as good here, I'm bringing out my own book. Yeah. If that's the approach you're taking, then um, it's still not gonna pass those those four tests, but your issue is not doubt in the first place. So bring witnesses, and then there's this interesting part of the ayah that says, "Other than God, why can't you use Allah? Why can't you bring in Allah as a witness?"
1: Because God can do it.
0: Okay, even easier than that. Any thoughts? Always. Why can't I bring in Allah as a witness?
2: Because Somebody he's was a witness. Uh, say it again. He's always a witness
0: okay even even easier than that so if I go ahead Summer
2: oh because they don't believe in God
0: okay even easier we're basically saying how am I going to bring God as a witness so all right okay yeah Allah if I have done this then you know how is Allah going to confirm you know am I going to bring Allah to the witness stand here you know so I'll give you I'll give you it's uh it's actually a serious story um uh, uh, but the moment uh, that I'm referring to is a bit of absurdity, but it's actually a very, very serious story. I had a student who was going through—some of you heard the story—who was going through a manic episode. At the time, I didn't know it was a manic episode. I didn't even know what a manic episode was, and he was claiming he was claiming to be the savior of the world. So this is different than the four people who I mentioned last week who've been claiming to be the savior of the world. I mean, that's its own mental health issue. So, so he literally uh, was claiming to be the savior of the world, and I'm on the phone with him, and he said, "I'm going to prove it to you." Yeah. So naturally, now I'm in, intrigued, and and so he says, "If anything I am saying is false, may Allah strike me down now." And that was his his absurd logic, right? If we're speaking from a rational perspective, but he was not in a rational position. But the point I'm making is that you can't bring Allah as a witness because you literally cannot bring in Allah as a witness. So you have to produce a surah. That's the subjective aspect of this, and the, to make it objective, you have to bring witnesses. And, uh, uh, oh, Sylvester, so what happened after that? You know, I told him that that doesn't make any sense, and then he swore at me and it hung up. And and then you know. I got other friends involved and such, long, long story. But, uh, But the key is at the end of the ayah, if your issue is doubt, is truly doubt. So once again, this is not a challenge to the world. That's other ayahs. This is a prescription. And as is the case with the metaphor that we spoke about, if I don't do this, my doubt is going to is going to continue and it's going to seep in throughout you know my whole belief to the point that one day without me even noticing, it's going to knock out a belief from my heart. I have a question. Yeah.
2: Because um, I work with a lot of clients too who have like doubt that's related to OCD. You know, yeah. and I'm wondering like the balance between ignoring the doubt because this is, I mean, because they feel like they can't ignore any doubt and it becomes challenging for them. Mm-hmm. So, I guess just talk a little bit about what kind of doubts are you talking about? Is it more like creed? Is it about like the aqidah part? All right.
0: So let's add uh, a, a little bit of dimension to this. The short answer would essentially be creed, aqidah, right? But uh, I think doubt sort of uh, 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 is something a little bit beyond that. It's just this sentiment in my heart, uh, almost like this floating darkness that just keeps moving around my heart. Uh, but uh, the word that's used in this other passage, in fact, rather than go scroll down. Uh, The word doubt is not used in this other passage, but it does share, uh, make a similar point. If we go to the story of Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him. So later in the same surah, this is Ayah 260 in the same surah, Prophet Ibrahim, peace be upon him, is talking to Allah. Okay, so Abraham is talking to God. So first, just consider the, the scenario. He's talking directly to God. God is talking directly back to him. Okay. And he is saying, you know, Rabbi, my Lord, show me how you give life to the dead. Okay. And then Allah Ta'ala is saying to him, do you not believe? Okay. You know. And he said, yes, I do. Right, I do have iman but I need to satisfy my heart. Okay. I need the satisfaction of the heart. And so then the prescription that Allah gives him is, all right, take, take these four birds, mash them up and put a piece of each bird at the top of a hill, and then they're all gonna come back to life. Yeah, that's what applies for him. What is the prescription for me for developing the satisfaction of the heart. One aspect of it is to produce a surah. And then a second aspect, which uh, I think uh, we've touched on in a different context, um, but I always forget what ayah it is. It's the last ayah in Surat al-Hijr, I think that's ayah 99. So I'm just gonna scroll all the way till we get to the bottom. And that's that. The key. Uh, oh yeah, I think we've mentioned a few times the key for me to develop more and more certainty is to increase obedience. Yeah, right here. So worship your Lord until there comes to you certainty. And so here, the interpretation of the of the translator is is until you die. But this is also looked at as a prescription for developing certainty increase in your Ibadah, your Fard, your Nafal, so forth and so on. And that will be a way to actually sort of to, to clean that darkness out of your heart, that floating darkness. Uh, Summer, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I like, I like what you said, like that satisfaction of the heart, like the floating darkness. No, it is different. And um, I'm just trying to think because when people struggle with that doubt, I mean, it, it sounds like it's different because their doubt is more informational and ruminating about like specific details versus a doubt at the core. Um.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the closest experience I've had with what you're speaking about in terms of OCD is that one of the most common questions I get from students is what if, you know, what if this, well, what if this, what if this, you know, what if I don't get to med school, then what happens in my life and well, what happens this, right? And it's literally as though they just run off the rails with what if, and then what if about that? What if about that? And what if about that?
2: Like know. a rabbit hole.
0: Yeah, exactly. And and that uh, I'd say is different than what's being addressed here.
2: No, but I like the recommend. I haven't thought about like incorporate that recommendation of just increasing your ibad and the worship of like what your cert, like those certain ibad worships in order to increase your certainty.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: no. Yeah, I, I I recall a couple students. One student I'm thinking of who had diagnosed OCD. In his case, and so this is way out of out of my realm for anything. But in terms of what uh, what he would fall into was that he would do wudu. Uh, he'd have to do it four times, you know, and then he'd make his prayers and he'd have to do them again and repeat them again and repeat them again. Uh, to the point that sometimes when we're together, he would come to me and say, tell me, I don't need to pray again. Okay. And this, we were, we were also connecting, it was very clearly connected with his father's temperament. He had this father who had this explosive, explosive temper. And correlation or causation, you know, this, the student's OCD would skyrocket after having an event with his father. And so that, I would suggest, is more of a mental health or physiological health issue you know, than what we're speaking about here.
2: Okay. Yeah, thanks for clarifying. That's helpful. Yeah, definitely.
0: So so that is the, the prescription here. The prescription is that if you have doubt and then the basic question is that if this is truly from Allah, then you can't find anything that can compare. If this is not truly from Allah, then you can. But the point is you have to go through the exercise. And so I have had students, I'm thinking of one particular student who uh, came to to the office and said, you know, like I have doubt and such. And I said, well, you need to go through a process like this. Even cursory, you have to go through a process and whether it's reading books of philosophy, self-help books, reading scripture, uh, and, and engage with them. And she rolled her eyes like, I don't want to do that. Okay. And so... I didn't say this to her, but that it seems to me that her issue was actually something different than doubt. But move forward a couple of years, she is no longer a practicing Muslim. And so I'm saying these things are are more than just, you know, uh, theoretical prescriptions. These are real, real worldly uh, uh, prescriptions. So then bringing this to to the next ayah, So the next ayah says, if you can't do it and you can never do it, then develop taqwa. So then, part two of the prescription for doubt is realizing or accepting. Okay, sure. Realizing or accepting. Um, I can't spell. and then developing taqwa. And so taqwa here, the first step towards developing taqwa was also in that first command. Be the abd of your rab and at the end of the ayah so that you may get taqwa. And so in a nutshell, it's work on increased obedience. work on increased obedience or devotion. That is the prescription. So, having said that, we are now at a little bit past 3:30 Chicago time. Any questions about anything at all? No questions.
1: I have a question, sorry. Could you go back to the last slide, please?
0: Yeah, sure. Who was speaking, was that Hanya?
1: Yeah.
0: Okay, uh, this one? Yep. Was that a question about it or are you just noting it down? Uh, just notes. Okay, any other questions? you know, the questions at all. Another point to think about is the fact that if Ibrahim alayhi salam, okay, one of the greatest of all the prophets is in conversation with Allah, again, one-on-one conversation with Allah, and he is seeking, you know, satisfaction of the heart, then it's only natural for any of us to seek it too. And if we were to read that whole passage, that would be in a much later, later course. This, the course of Surah al-Baqarah, right now we're in course number one. I actually literally have seven courses. Each one covers give or take 30 to 40 to 50 ayahs. Anyway, in that passage, we also have before it, uh, Ibrahim is arguing with people about, about God's ability to give life to the dead. Intellectually, he understands it. Okay. I think all of us intellectually understand it. He needed some satisfaction of the heart about it. And so intellectually, I might take this text as truth, but do I have satisfaction of the heart about it? That's a different issue. And so the point is, don't take it in a vacuum, the Quran in a vacuum, take it compared to everything else. Okay, no
1: other questions? Hold up. Um, Yeah, real quick. Is the entire Qur'an considered a work of poetry due to the language?
0: Well, the Qur'an says of itself that it's not the work of a poet. It definitely contains poetry, but it also contains prose. Okay. So it's almost like the best term might be like free verse or something like that. Okay. Yeah, there's even a surah, surah number 26 called The Poets, And it's very critical of poets um, going on in their random uh, ideas with nothing practical. And then it says, except for those people who are calling to what is right.
1: Okay. Um, Omar, I have a quick question. So the fact that Hazrat Ibrahim also felt a certain amount of doubt, I guess that just reinforces the notion that it's okay, right? That it's fine. go through that process or whatever that might be but then the the prescription for it in terms of finding a a, you know another surah that is comparable to a surah of the of the Quran somebody might turn around and say well we're not in the business of (laughs) creating surahs so that's not our expertise so how you know it's something we're being called to do something that's not I mean, are you saying to bring another surah that you have created that is comparable to the surahs of the Quran, or from anywhere else? Are we asking that question?
0: Uh, it'd be both. Cool. Okay. So, uh, so the the bare minimum would be to to look at okay, here's what the Quran is saying. Here's how reality operates, which mm-hmm. makes more sense. Yeah. and then compare it with with everything else. Cool. And then, if you have the capacity which most of us do not um, compare it linguistically you know and then add to that look at the history of of the text and such you know it's making claims and so compare that and then it's implementation throughout time so then the
1: okay, so the claim broadly what I identified while reading it um, was one of causation so like. Essentially, it's God is the prime mover of all of it, right? So that is a more theoretical point that makes more sense than any other theories. So is this the answer by the Quran about
0: secondary causation? Uh, I would say it's not limited to that. I'd say even if we remove from the question of causation and such, that there is a supreme being, that that life is not arbitrary, uh, but life is also not fair. Mm-hmm. And and that there is a day of judgment that is coming, and which will be held to account for the choices that we're making in this life, after which true justice will be provided. You know. So if we look, okay, in a very very simple sense, uh, let's assume that the sacred texts of scripture of the different traditions are authentic. Okay. Uh, which, uh, 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 except for the Quran, I don't even know if the other scriptures hold up to that question. So let's, <laughs> yeah. say, let's say hypothetically uh, that. In a very very simple nutshell, was the Quran's worldview that that we've been created uh, to be in this world with a set of responsibilities, yeah, and will be held to account for the choices that we made in our lives. And this world's going to hit us uh, with every single type of test, and we itemize those tests. Right? Some are obedience. Some will be struggles. Some will be um, uh, ease. Sometimes we'll have to make difficult decisions. And then the last one is just the seeking of forgiveness for all the times we've fallen short. And we'll go through life and the experience of life is not arbitrary. It's everything that's, being, that's hitting us is willful from the divine. And then we are going to die. And then after our death, we're going to be facing God, uh, you know, for the choices we made in our lives with the result being heaven or hell. Yeah. So that's, that's the, in the simple nutshell, the Islamic outlook. Why? This is what Allah's will is, and thus we surrender Islam. Surrender. Okay. In a simple nutshell, what is what is uh, the Christian narrative? The Christian narrative is that God has created these human beings, who then, in with uh, original sin, fell short, and then were sent down to Earth, and then there's been this journey to find redemption. Uh, but instead, things got worse and worse up till the generation of Noah. And so then just about everyone got wiped out. And then we have sort of humanity 2.0. <laughs> I mean, and I mean that seriously. not in, in Yeah, language. no, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's, that's true. And then, and so then it's been a continuous search or opportunity for redemption until the divine sends down his son to provide redemption for, for humanity. Yeah. And, and, and then those who accept the redemption that is offered, they will have eternal life and those who do not will have damnation. And then in, in a very simplistic sense, what is the, the, the Jewish worldview? The Jewish worldview is that humanity has been created but then has fallen into multiple levels of exile, exile from the divine, exile from, from, from the holy in this world. And it's been a journey to reconnect with the divine Uh, with not as much focus on anything posthumous. And then if we look in a very simple sense, what is the the, the Buddhist narrative? The Buddhist narrative is that uh, the design of this world is suffering. That is Mm -hmm. the default of this world. And then the path to seek is how do I liberate myself from suffering? Mm -hmm. And the way for me to liberate myself from suffering is to detach from everything. Mm -hmm. And then, how well I've done that will then manifest in the next life. Right? Uh, it's harder to have uh, 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 a Hindu tradition uh, to, to summarize the the, the the Hindu narratives, just because you know we we, we merge all the Hindu traditions into one, but Hinduism is, is multiple, multiple different religions. You know, but it's sort of a little bit more complicated version of what we just said about, about Buddhism. And then, if we look from from an atheist outlook, in which we're saying that no, there is nothing but cause and effect, right? Okay. And and so, how I live my life becomes completely irrelevant. Okay. Yeah, if I could cure everything, or I could damage everything. The end result is still going to be the same, no matter how I live my life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, at least as far as the the religious traditions are saying. They're saying this is true, whether you believe it or not. Right. Each one is claiming this is true. This yeah. is going to happen, whether you believe it or not. And so part of the outlook is, all right, of these, which do I objectively buy into? Which that was going, going
1: to be my second process? question. Like how, like what criteria do you use to judge among them?
0: Well, I would say, look at, you know, the text themselves, I've given, I've given the simple nutshell, Mm-hmm. Uh, but think of the discussion you and I have had that. So the Quran is saying that the, that the crucifixion never happened, right? And and so then what does that do? That that removes one of the most central stories of all of Christianity. Okay. Yeah, it, it takes down the whole thing. But if we look at it from another perspective, other criteria would be to look at the authenticity of the texts.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, this is called historical critical analysis. Yeah, you know, the uh, with Buddhism it's hard to find. You know, much in terms, in terms of authentic texts, right? Uh, but in terms of the Bible, looking at the authenticity of the Bible, looking at the authenticity of the Quran, yeah, that would be part of the journey. So it's making, both of these are making huge truth claims. Yeah. But is the text authentic to even make a truth claim? Otherwise, is it a text of, you know, and I'm saying this in seriousness, is it essentially a text of sci fi fantasy? Mm-hmm. Right. You know and even if it is this is still work so then let's take it further let's get into you know star wars or harry potter right yeah okay. i'm saying this from a serious perspective yeah uh, that okay star wars is saying what there's this force that binds us and penetrates us mm-hmm. and and you know your connection to the force uh will either be the light or the dark you know? But then you also have to include all the other stuff that is also part of the Star Wars narrative. So with the Bible and the Quran, you have to use all, You also have to add in all the other stuff. You know? Yeah. Uh, and so all those things. So essentially I'm saying, use every single approach a person can think of right. as part of your objective critique.
1: Deliberation. So the... Um, I, I'm sorry, I didn't mean for this to get tangent, but the, I know that the muslim claim for the good news or the gospels that jesus brought uh is is basically the same message that muhammad brought right
0: that in the islamic narrative of jesus is that his message is the same as, yeah. as the message of muhammad yeah
1: yeah do you i mean offhand do you know what christians would say was jesus message not what the four gospels are saying because
0: that's reporting what jesus did right well, I mean, I think central would be the Trinity, right? And then for for a Catholic, the emphasis would be on the suffering of Jesus, on on all our behalfs, and then the Protestant narrative would be the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, both centering around the the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Um, okay. I mean, I could ask questions ad infinitum. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, jesus message would be a renewed relationship with god through jesus death yeah you know what 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 uh, a particular person that emphasizes will also vary you know as that's the case with islam with any tradition right you know but in terms of what is not just the the essential narrative throughout the text but then take all the rest of the passages too and how do they fit in with with the with the picture and such Okay. But yeah, those are questions that too to many you and I can have offline as well, inshallah.
1: Oh yeah, all right. I'll be I'll be calling or texting or uh, sending you an email or annoying you. Oh, okay,
0: inshallah. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, any other questions? Okay, we will stop right here then, inshallah, uh-huh. and we'll continue tomorrow. Subhanaka yeah. Allahumma <laughs> bihamdika illa anta ilayk. Subhanaka Allahu bihamdika nasheedu illa ilaha anta nasfiruka nashtubi lik Subhanaka Allahu glory to you, o Allah, and bihamdika praise and gratitude to you. Nasheedu illa ilaha illa anta we bear witness there is no God but You. Nasfiruka we seek your forgiveness, and we turn to You. Okay, Allah bless you all ancha'lla, and we'll continue tomorrow. Assalamu
1: alaykum wa